Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. Marshall Hammonds has a proven record of success representing clients charged with misdemeanors and felonies. He also has substantial experience in post-conviction remedies. He is a strong believer in avoiding the unnecessary criminalization of good people. He has a record of being unafraid of taking on the police, prosecutors, and the courts. Marshall Hammonds, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Thank you so much, Lewis. Thank you for having me. Where is your office located right now. My office is located at Silver Law Firm on the Embarcadero in Oakland. What type of practice do you have? We do primarily criminal defense work, really only local, state level. We don't really do very much federal. I'm not federally barred, so I don't handle any of the federal stuff. But we do do some restraining orders, domestic violence, civil harassment, and the like throughout the Bay Area as well. But pretty much 90 to 95% of our practice and what I do is criminal defense work. How long have you been doing that? Well, that's a great question. I've been fully barred as an attorney for just over a year, actually. However, because of the pandemic, I was a provisionally licensed attorney for about six months before that. So about a year and a half working as an attorney. Actually, cold called Elliot Silver, my current boss, gave him my elevator pitch and he brought me on. And I wasn't even fully barred yet or had the provisional licensing program set up. He just brought me on because he... And I really clicked and he saw how I could help his firm. Elevator pitch. I love elevator pitches. <laughs> do, you, do you still remember your elevator? Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. So, so after the, after the bar, I was just quite literally cold calling really any criminal defense attorney I knew or I could find. And I said, hello, my name is Marshall Hammonds. I just took the bar. I'm hoping to pass. They have a new provisional licensing program. So I should be able to practice very soon. I have interned at the San Francisco Public Defender's Office, working on felony murder resentencings, working on police misconduct, and most recently, I've been working with Curtis Briggs and Tony Serra on a death row habeas petition for California's longest-serving death row inmate, which I did and helped co-write and research while studying for the bar. I'm eager and ready to learn. Well, that's a good elevator pitch. (laughs) It's pithy. It's to the point. It's quick. I like it. Thank you. Where are you from originally? I was actually born in New York, just outside of New York City, and then moved out here to California in Pleasanton when I was 13. Lived in Pleasanton until I went to college at Santa Clara University, and then went directly to law school in San Francisco, where I lived at UC Hastings. And currently, I am living in Napa, California. So did you go to high school in Pleasanton? I did. I went to Foothill High School. How was that experience for you? I liked it a lot. The people at Foothill were were really nice. I found some good friend groups there and really tried to make the most of it. Really enjoyed civics, economics, history, things like that. And I found the teachers to be really stellar. And going into college, I felt very well prepared. And where did you go to college? I went to Santa Clara University. What did you think of Santa Clara? I absolutely loved Santa Clara University. Everybody seems to say that. Yeah, it, it's a great school. It's very small compared to some of the other schools, but there's, it's kind of hard to describe. It's like everybody's a friend there. 
you can just walk around and because you've seen someone in a class, it's always, Hey, how are you doing? How's it going? It, it's almost like you're, you have your own little social circle built in just because the way the school is. And that's aside from just the education, I was very fortunate to have some very wonderful professors that really helped uh, hone my love and passion and eagerness to learn law and really try to take as much advantage of my classes as I could. Did you take up there at Santa Clara? What was your major? I was in English and political science double major. So I focused a lot on political science. I tried to do as much kind of pre-law classes, so to speak, as possible. Really things such as constitutional law seminars, uh, history of American, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court, as well as just kind of the more general civics types of classes. And then in English, I actually did a lot of studying of medieval and Renaissance literature. In fact, I actually almost ended up with a minor in medieval and Renaissance studies, but I really couldn't get the last credit just timing with my senior year. But I had a wonderful professor there named Corey Wade, who has been somewhat of a mentor in my legal career as well. And she really introduced me to some really great like medieval and Renaissance literature. And I really fell in love with reading these old texts and learning the foundations of, you know, old English law and common law, jury trials, things like that. So if there was a piece of medieval literature that I wanted to take a look at, which one would you recommend? The Icelandic sagas. So the Icelanders, the Vikings, they had a whole series, an oral tradition that they had for hundreds and hundreds of years that eventually was transcribed. And the stories are fascinating and hilarious at the same time. Uh, a combination of brutality, comedy, just mixed in with some mythical aspects of it. It was just really fun to read. When you graduated from Santa Clara, where'd you go to law school? I went to UC Hastings in San Francisco. When did you first start thinking, I'd like to be a lawyer? So when I was going to school, kind of growing up, I actually thought I wanted to be a scientist working for NASA or, you know, something involving space or rockets, planes, things like that. But I slowly began to realize I'm not actually that good at math. So when I was in my freshman year at high school, I did a presentation on Jimi Hendrix, actually, of all people. And I, I found that I really actually enjoyed researching something, putting it together, and then public speaking. And I thought, well, you know, I'm learning in some of my other classes about these lawyers in the civil rights field that are being able to make an impact based on their writing and words. And that's really what started to prompt me doing that. I had originally wanted to go into psychology somewhat, thinking maybe I want to do something in the, the legal sphere one way or another going into college. But it really, as soon as I actually got to college, I decided, no, I, I want to be a lawyer. I had seen a lot of things, not necessarily on social media, but in the news about police misconduct, the ongoing issues with criminal justice system, racial disparities, disproportionate sentencing. And I really have always wanted to help people. And so it was kind of at that time that I really wanted to devote myself to helping people by being a lawyer. What did your friends and family think or say when you told them you wanted to go to Well, my friends and family have been nothing but supportive. Everyone has been really happy to help see me through this. I am currently engaged to my fiance that I met in my sophomore year of undergrad. And she has been my number one cheerleader throughout this entire process. I really couldn't have done this without her. My parents have been extremely supportive, helping me in any way they can. I have a sister who is a doctor, and she's likewise been 
one of my best friends and also one of my number one cheerleaders. They've all been very happy. The only thing I will say is sometimes I get the odd question of, well, you defend bad people, right? And get the, you know, what if someone did this or what if someone did that? Would you still represent them? And I just say it's really not about necessarily what they did. It's about making sure the process is there and making sure that the Constitution and all the rules and regulations and everything that goes into a case are actually upheld. So even though you defend bad people, you defend a good Constitution? That That's my firm belief. I'm, I'm a very firm believer in the Constitution. I really think that that's the backbone of our country and our democracy. And I will say that I defend all kinds of people. I don't believe that people are simply good people or bad people. I think that there are always shades of gray and defining some person by a single act or a particularly bad day or series of days, I don't think should mean that they necessarily go behind bars or have all the adverse consequences that typically come with a criminal charge, let alone a... Right at the beginning of this podcast, you explained how you got to the Silver Law Firm, but you've had some experience before that working in the criminal justice arena. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I had really started my work in the criminal justice arena the summer between my first and second year at law school. I interned at the San Francisco Department of Police Accountability, helping not only with language access for the department and interfacing with the public, but also with mediations and helping kind of lower level conflicts between members of the community and police officers come to some kind of resolution through a restorative justice model that I actually found to be very effective, where not only the community members felt like they were heard, but I actually would see police officers come away from that going, yeah, you know, maybe I should have approached that situation differently, which is something that was incredibly powerful. Between my second and third year of law school, I interned at the San Francisco Public Defender's Office under Jaku Wilson, where I was brought in because I had interned at the Department of Police Accountability. They knew my desire to see some change and to pushed back against police misconduct, and they helped bring me into the integrity unit where I worked on creating processes and looking into different ways of bringing police accountability to light in San Francisco through the public defender's office, as well as working on a felony murder resentencing, doing my court appearances as a certified legal intern. I did a motion to suppress brought at the preliminary hearing and actually won it in my very first appearance. And that that was perhaps my my most favorite time as an intern was at the San Francisco Public Defender's Office, just really getting that real in-court experience and learning from some some of the really best practitioners in San Francisco. What do you really like about practicing law? What I really like about practicing law is helping clients navigate the system really getting to know them, understand their situation, and then really diving into each case like a little puzzle, making sure that I have all my ducks in a row, looking through everything, reviewing it, checking the case law, going through, and really just trying to come to what is the best answer here? What are the different ranges of possibilities that could happen? And really making sure that my clients understand everything that are going on. And having a client at the end of the day saying, hey, you know, thank you so much for everything you've done, that that is something that I, is hard for me to put into words as to, you know, what keeps me going here. If someone were 
just graduating from college, thinking about a career, would you recommend law as a career? It would depend on the person. In the practice of law that I found in, in my short time so far, there's a lot of reading and writing. And reading comprehension, writing, and ability to public speak is so important for someone who's, you know, a, a in-court trial attorney that you would really have to love those types of things. So I think it would depend on the person, but I would say if you want to be able to spend a lot of time reading, writing, speaking with people, thinking about things, looking things up, coming up with creative arguments, coming up with different ways of solving puzzles, then it's an absolutely wonderful profession. If that's not something that you want to do, I'd recommend looking somewhere else for a job. How is actually practicing matter different from your expectations about it? I would say it's met my expectations in the sense of kind of coming up to actually like handling my own cases, knowing that there's no two cases are the same. It's like a snowflake. Each one is different. Each one has its own wrinkles. Each one has its own unique circumstances. And that's the part that I kind of expected coming in. The part that has been different and has was not necessarily, I guess, imparted on me as much coming into the field was really just how much negotiations are involved. Kind of going back and forth with DAs, really making sure that you're advocating in the best way possible and really trying to get to the bottom of something is something that I didn't really expect as much coming into the profession, but I've grown to really learn to love that aspect and trying to hone my, hone my skills on that. Do you think that law schools ought to spend a little more time on those kinds of skills? Absolutely. I actually took an introduction into negotiations class. And just in the first little bit of the class, I learned so much about interest-based negotiations and how to actually approach a situation that's different than the, I start at, you know, on one end here, they start on the other end, and then somehow we, you know, butt heads until we meet in the middle. And that's not actually an effective way of negotiating. That, that class negotiations as a lawyer should absolutely be taught in law school because it teaches you exactly how to actually approach a situation, understand people's interests and how to actually come to the right answer. Is there anything that you know now that you really wished you knew before you started practicing law? I think the thing that I wish I had known before coming in to actually practicing law would be how important it is to be as organized as possible. The more organized and the more documentation, the more I use a lot of spreadsheets to keep track of cases, to keep track of different things. Knowing that coming in and really having some perhaps training or particularly templates or things like that would have been really helpful coming in just so I wouldn't have to start from the ground up, so to speak, using my own techniques. Is your firm using any specific law practice management software? Yeah, we use Clio. It, it's a very good platform. It has really anything and everything we could need. My only uh, criticism of Clio is that I can't do a lot of the things that I would be able to do on the computer on my phone. And because I'm usually the one going in person to a lot of courtrooms or doing different things, it means that I can't do a lot of my work until I actually get stationary at a desk. Whereas, you know, I definitely come from the generation of everything's on my phone. It'd be great if I could open a new matter or modify this or modify that or easily share documents, things like that directly from my phone. But otherwise we do use Clio and it's a great way to keep track of cases. It's a great way to, you know, make sure we have all our documents and have everything together. What do you think's the best advice you've ever received? 
The best advice I've ever received uh, came from Curtis Briggs, and that was listen to your clients. Listen to what they have to say. It doesn't matter how potentially crazy it may sound. It doesn't matter how little of an emergency you may think it is. Listen to your clients. They're the ones going through this. They are the ones facing the brunt of this. And what advice would you give to someone who was just coming into the practice now that you have the vast experience of 18 months <laughs> practicing attorney? I would say do your best to try and see as many different lawyers as possible practicing. The more you see other lawyers doing an appearance, doing certain types of motions, negotiating with DAs, if you have the opportunity to sit in on that or overhear that, the better that you will be because you'll you'll get an opportunity to actually see different techniques, different ways of approaching things and see how it actually ends up working in reality when the rubber meets the road. You have some fresh eyes on the system. What, if anything, would you change about the way the legal system works? Well, there are a lot of things that I would love to change about the legal system, but the number one thing for me is just really the incarceral system as a whole. The idea that we keep people behind cages for particular acts is, to me, very barbaric. Can you tell me about a case that went particularly well for you where you really felt like your being there helped the client a lot? Yeah, so one of the cases that went really well was a case that our firm had had for some time that had you know, kind of aged a bit during the COVID pandemic. And I ended up getting assigned to it. I looked at it and I found out, hey, there's actually a pretty good motion to suppress in here. I spoke with the client. I made sure to explain to him, you know, hey, this is what we're looking at. This is what could be done. Here's the potentials of what could happen, what might work, what might not. And I was able to write a suppression motion that ended up being one on the papers alone. The DA actually conceded in court and all the charges were dropped, including a resisting What's your family life like and how has practicing law and being in law school affected that? Well, my family life right now, I don't have as much time as I used to, you know, in college or in law school to spend with them. I live with my fiance. She, like I said, has been my number one cheerleader and she supports me in so many different ways to make sure that I can be as effective in the courtroom and be as communicative and there for my clients as possible. But we don't have as much time as we used to, like I said, you know, in college or law school to spend time together. My family and parents would probably say something similar. I did get lunch with them just today before coming on the podcast and, you know, trying to find the time to see them. But keeping up with them over text message and social media has been very helpful, but it doesn't uh, replace that kind of face-to-face presence with your family and loved ones. I think you said you're living in Napa, is that correct? That is correct, yeah. So how's that in terms of the commute to Oakland where your office is and the courts in Alameda County? Well, that's that's a great question. So a few things. One, I will say that Elliot Silver is a very kind boss and that he doesn't actually make me come into the office. I get to work from home unless I'm going to court, which makes things a lot easier. I basically have a small law office in my home with a full printer, scanner, all of my paper clips, staplers, everything. So really, it, it, I'm only commuting if I'm going to court, but we do practice all over the Bay Area. Have you had any interesting travel experience? Well, going back to my uh, medieval Renaissance literature, I've actually been to Iceland twice. And that was 
absolutely beautiful going to the different natural hot springs, seeing the beautiful mountains and landscapes and glaciers and really uh, just seeing the sheer beauty of the, you know, they call it the land of fire and ice. And it, it really is. Well, that's one place that has been on my bucket list, but I haven't been there yet. So well. you should, you should really go. It is, it is an incredible experience and I will give you all the in, ins and outs and insider tips of where to go. How about recreational pursuits when you're not practicing law? What sort of things do you enjoy doing? My favorite thing to go do is hike. I, I really enjoy hiking and just kind of going into the woods or different places throughout the Bay Area and just seeing the different sceneries. Is there any book or movie about the law that you've experienced that you think is particularly good? Yeah, I think the my favorite law movie is uh, called True Believer. And it's kind of an older movie, but it has uh, James Woods playing Tony Serra. And it's about a loosely based on one of his cases that he handled and actually has a young, naive, eager, just out of law school, uh, new lawyer played by Robert Downey Jr. And they go at it together and they figure out and crack the case and ultimately end up with the right result. And I'm sure you're aware that the courtroom scenes there were filmed at the Alameda County Courthouse. I did. I recognized that after going into some of them, I was like, oh, this looks oddly familiar. If you couldn't be a lawyer, is there some profession that you would choose other than the law? I think working in kind of the science field would be really cool. I've always loved space, science, uh, things like that. That would be really fun. You know, I always love going to air and space museums, learning about airplanes and the space shuttle, rocket ships, everything like that. So it'd be really cool if in another life with a more math inclined brain to work for someone like SpaceX or you know, one of the, the new and upcoming space ventures would be really cool. How do you define success? I would define success as making sure that I'm using every day to help other people in the best way possible while still making sure that my loved ones and myself are cared for. Meaning that not only am I dedicating myself and putting as much time and effort as I really can into my cases for my clients to get the best results, but also making sure that I'm there both physically, mentally, emotionally, for my family and my loved ones. What keeps you up at night? Some of my cases. I mean, just very realistically, some of my cases really keep me up at night. People who are in a very tough spot that, you know, may or may not have done something that is illegal, but the, the punishment that they're going to be facing if we're unsuccessful in a motion or if we can't be successful in our negotiations with the DA would have some very serious impacts on their life. And and that's really what keeps me up at night is, is thinking about what could happen to my clients if I don't do the best job I really can. Let's say you came into some real money, several billion dollars. What, if anything, would you do differently in your life? I would probably use it to start a kind of a, like a public defenders-esque type of law firm where we wouldn't charge any money. Anybody who has a case could come in and we would represent at the best level that we could, as well as using that money to go and explore every single possibility. Talking to any potential expert, talking to any potential investigator, making sure that no stone 
is uncovered for free for anybody, but not just at the trial level, but also at appeals and habeas levels, because there's so many people who've been wrongfully convicted or convicted on things that they really shouldn't have been at the trial level that are facing serious consequences when they really shouldn't be. Let's say you had a magic wand and there was one thing that you could change in the legal world, the world in general, or otherwise. I mean, making sure that when DAs are in court, that they actually have the authority to negotiate cases to the level that it should be negotiated to. And so making sure that whenever we're talking about a case or going and doing something, that the DAs and the prosecutors in court have the professional independence and uphold their ethical duties to be an arbiter of justice to actually find the right result instead of saying, well, I got to talk to my supervisor. Let's say you had 60 seconds on the Super Bowl. Someone gave you a one-minute ad on the Super Bowl, and you had a really big platform to say whatever you wanted to the nation, to the world. What message would you like to get out there? I would say free chief. Douglas, nicknamed Chief Stankowitz, is California's longest-serving death row inmate, and he is innocent. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, interested in legal representation or just wanted to talk to you, what would be the best way to get in touch? That's a great question. I would say LinkedIn is probably my only real active social media. You can find me just by looking up my name there. Uh, you can also email me at marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, at esilverlaw.com. Happy to speak with anyone anytime if they have any questions or concerns. And then also we have a wonderful office as well. If people wanted to, it can always come in. What's the website for the Silver Firm? It is esilverlaw.com. E like Elliot, who owns the firm, Silver, as in his last name and the color and law is in what we practice. esilverlaw.com. That's correct. Marshall, is there anything that you want to talk about that we have not discussed? No, I, I would just say that it's been very fascinating being kind of a young lawyer and a fairly new lawyer going into these experiences and fields and really understanding the amount of power that a lawyer has, that the amount of hard work, diligence, and eye for detail can really bring about some great results in cases. And that's been an incredible learning experience and something that I found extraordinarily fulfilling in my life. Marshall Hammonds, thank you so much for joining me on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Lewis. It's been an absolute pleasure. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and follow the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks to my guests and to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, Paul Roberts for social media, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. I'm going to restart on that one.